0: So if you think about, again, cost of raw materials, cost of what patients are actually getting, most expensive dietary supplement is the one that doesn't
1: work. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Thomas Pennell. Today, we're gonna take a deep dive into why micronutrients are so important, why we need to supplement and ultimately learn what makes a good supplement. This is part one of a two-part episode, so please be sure to stay tuned next week to hear part two. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today my guest is Thomas Pennell, who's an account executive who has worked in the supplement and nutrition space for a company called Orthomolecular Products. After receiving a degree in integrated biology from the University of Illinois, a little health scare with his now fiancé gave him his first interaction with functional medicine. After seeing firsthand how functional medicine impacted her life, this drove him to seek out professional nutrition companies for the opportunity to work with providers and help shape patient care. He has worked with over a 1,000 clinics across the Midwest, including ours, which has included a wide array of practitioners, clinics, and pharmacies. He's previously worked with practices across Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and now resides in Iowa, where he currently works with over 400 active practices. He uses this experience to help providers consult and bring functional medicine to their patients with a strong focus on improving clinical outcomes. Welcome, Welcome to the show, Thomas.
0: Oh, thank you, Dr. Gray. I appreciate it. You know, I've been a big fan for a while, at least as long as I've been here. So, uh, it's pretty cool to actually talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you on the show. I know you're going to woo and awe our listeners. So oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> as the audience may or may not remember, I had another Tom, Tom hool early on the show, episodes six and seven, where we discussed supplement myths. And I highly encourage followers, go back and listen to those episodes if these topics interest you. But I think today we're going to expand and get this other Tom, or Thomas, I should say, opinion <laughs> on similar topics. So again, to remind my listeners, chapter four of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, discusses how important nutrients are for our body. And today we're going to talk about nutrients. So nutrients are involved in a, a wide variety of chemical reactions in your body. Basically, nutrients come from food, and they can come from supplementation. So just to walk listeners through right digestion, as food is digested, nutrients are transported through the body to assist in all types of metabolic processes that happen in our cells, and that are absolutely necessary for life. So in my analogy, in my book, I share how nutrients transporting themselves through your body are a little like moving through the rooms in a house in which each room has a door that's locked. In order to move from room to room, you have to have the right key to unlock that door. The same is true with our body. Every cell in our body has a receptor site that receptors bind to, kinda like a key fitting in a keyhole. For that receptor to bind correctly to unlock that door, your body requires all the micronutrients I mentioned in chapter four, and these are what we're going to talk about today. So when our cells don't get what they need, the body doesn't work right, and something or many somethings bad (laughs) can happen, right? Like you get brain fog, fatigue, and eventually chronic disease. So we used to be able to get a lot of these nutrients from our foods, right? My grandparents always were farmers. They they had a lot of home-cooked meals, right? They didn't take a lot of supplements back then, but I think times have changed. So I want to kind of open this interview asking you, Thomas, why do you think our food sources are now more deficient and we need supplementation? I know that's a loaded question, but let's start with why are food sources more deficient now?
0: Yeah, why we need supplementation is a loaded question. <laughs> but, you know, you're incredibly lucky first off to have grown up in a space where your grandparents grew their own food and you were mm-hmm. able to eat and cook that. Mm-hmm. Right? Cuz I talk a lot about nutritional deficiencies and I, you know, I didn't grow up in an environment where that was really the thing. I actually in my parents' backyard, I built little raised bed garden where they could start growing their own food, which is awesome. My mom has totally adopted that and just kind of ran with it. But I didn't grow up with that, right? I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. So the food that we got was whatever's coming from the grocery store. So first off, you were incredibly lucky, right? But even so, if you compare the food that For instance, your grandparents ate when they were kids compared to what you ate when you were a kid, right? Even then, we're talking about nutritional deficiencies because the either soil depletion, so the minerals that are available in that soil, right, are Mm -hmm. no longer there. Because every time that we grow food, that food, think like a carrot, right, or even corn or whatever it is, right? Those things absorb minerals and vitamins and nutrients from the soil. When it goes into that and we consume that, we're able to use that. But each time we do that, and we live in Iowa, right? So there's farms everywhere. (laughs) But each time that we do that, we deplete that soil just a little bit further, right? And in addition to that, population's not getting any healthier, right? We talk about patients all the time as it relates to digestion, especially gut health. And our ability, as you talked about earlier, unlocking those keys, our ability to break down that food, break down those nutrients, and eventually absorb them is limited, so if our gut has high inflammation, if we have chronic disease in our gut, if we're having issues with intestinal permeability, we're basically saying we're absorbing a lot of things we're not supposed to, right? We're gonna create an environment where maybe we're not absorbing those same minerals. So even if the soil is you know as good as it possibly could be, if we're repleting the soil and we're growing in our backyard and we're doing all those wonderful things, Maybe now we're not as healthy as we quite used to be, right? So maybe now we're not absorbing things as well as we could. So it's a basically a double-edged sword where gut health isn't getting any better and the soil isn't getting any better either.
1: Good answer. I had both of those points written down in my notes, <laughs> the deficient soil and then also poor gut health. What about, uh, I talk a lot about stress on the podcast. Well, how do you feel about stress?
0: All the time. <laughs> Now, stress, obviously, I mean, stress can be a few different things, right? So it can be cellular stress, it can be environmental stress, it can be mental emotional stress, right? Stresses on our body can basically push us a direction where we can end up with chronic disease, right? Or if we talk about specifically adrenal health can leave us in an environment where we're talking about low energy, low mood, talking about fatigue, chronic fatigue, brain fog. Um, Stress is, it's a killer. It's a silent killer, right? Because we talk about people as it relates to, you know, COVID-19 pandemic and trying to figure out what's going on with, you know, work and life and getting kids on Zoom calls for classes and things like that. It's a very stressful environment, right? So stress in our bodies is, is paramount that we manage that and are able to effectively mitigate that the best of our abilities
1: and i want to come back to adrenal health maybe at the end of the show because i do want to talk about adrenals but stress requires more nutrients right so when we live in this stressed lifestyle when we have that stress lifestyle we need more um, need more nutrients what about i want to make sure we cover like medication causing medications causing nutritional deficiencies do you want to expand on that a little bit
0: yeah, so we call that in the industry, we call that drug induced nutrient depletion. So we know, you and I both know that the amount of prescription medications, and it's not only A availability, so right, more drugs are entering the market now than they were 50, 60, 70, 100 years ago, right, which is awesome. You know, it's obviously helped a lot of people's lives as it relates to, you know, patients who genuinely need medication. It's a great thing, right? You know, antibiotics have saved lives, There's specific medications that have saved lives, but You know, we now live in an environment where more people are on medications that maybe could have been mitigated by lifestyle choices, right? So talking about actually, you know, seeking out functional integrative care and talking about actually using supplementation and using lifestyle modifications to avoid that. But when we take a lot of these medications, so we think about things like metformin, right? Metformin is able to block the absorption of B vitamins and B vitamins are used everywhere for transmitter production. They're used for energy production, right? As we talk about stress. You know, we talk about CoQ10 as it relates to statin prescriptions Patients on statins. It basically blocks our body's ability to produce its own CoQ10 which long time or long-term, I should say, can be kind of insidious. It's not a good thing. I mean, I can make, there's, you know, a hundred different medications we can talk about. But my point is, is that prescription medications almost pretty much in any form disrupt some sort of pathway. That's their goal, right? We talk about different medications is to disrupt some sort of pathway in order to achieve an outcome. And when we do that, sometimes we get these secondary effects where we're depleting specific nutrients, either through absorption or our body's ability to either use them, create them or make them. Absolutely. It's huge.
1: So, medications are another variable (laughs) there. Yeah. But if you're taking a medication, that's okay. There's hope, right? You can take the nutrient that the medication is depleting you of. And at our clinic, we run a fancy nutritional analysis where we can literally, and I've talked about this before on the show, where we can look for vitamins, minerals, amino acids. Awesome. antioxidants, you know, deficient in the body and then replace them. So the good news is we can replace them. There are supplements we can take, right? But consumers, I think many times can be fooled by marketing. They see a commercial and then they think, okay, I need to go take krill oil. So they go to Walmart and they buy, you know, buy an inferior product. So I really want to talk about what makes a good supplement company and kind of how consumers can decide which companies are making high quality products. So let's start with what you believe makes a good supplement company.
0: Yeah. So that, again, that's a big question, because if I think about it from a consumer's perspective, and I know a lot of people who listen to your podcast are consumers of dietary supplements and consumers of this type of education, that market is so watered down now. Right. It seems like especially because of COVID, people are more invested in their own personal health than they ever have been, which is a great thing, right? Yeah, Continue yeah, to do yeah, that.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but as a result, you see money kind of follows where the demand is. So people have a demand for dietary supplements and they have a demand for specific nutrients in this type of healthcare. Now you see supplement companies popping up left and right that didn't exist. Right. Or even if you rewind the clock before COVID, there's still a lot of that going on right? So what I'm ultimately talking about is I'm talking about the difference between essentially what we call the professional channel and the retail channel, right? So the professional channel is kind of where we operate. So where orthomolecular products operates. And we work exclusively with licensed healthcare providers like yourself, right? Because we know that you guys are actually out here transforming the practice of medicine, which I'm heard, I'm sure you've heard quite a few different times, right? <laughs> actually improving patient outcomes, running those labs, running those micronutrient panels, and sitting down and saying, hey, how can we address these deficiencies in order for you to live a longer, healthier life? Compare that to the retail channel, however, I think this, you know, is a pretty easy path to follow. There's a lot of companies who just want to make money. Right. If you go down to Walmart, Costco, you know, I was just in Costco the other day and they have a huge section. It's absolutely massive. Right. If you vitamins, walk down, right as you walk oh, in, yeah. right as you oh, enter, yeah. it's like, yeah. Yeah. And as you're checking out too, it's on both sides. Right.
1: <laughs> just good marketing. I mean, it's absolutely it's good absolutely. marketing. You but... hit the nail that marketing.
0: Right. Because these companies, they're not invested in, if you look at their, you know, their mission and kind of what they're trying to do, they're not really invested in patient healthcare. What they want to do is they want to offer patients options, they want that shelf space. So if you think about retail products as they exist in the market, what are basically, and I'm sure you've heard Tom say this before, but what are basically the two ways that we can change the cost of a dietary supplement? There's two ways we can do it. We can lower the quality of that raw material, right? So we're actually, the company is buying cheaper raw materials or we can lower the amount of that raw material that's in that product, right? Because one gram of something costs less than five grams of something, right? It's just how it works. So if you think about it from a patient's perspective, you know, these companies that exist more in the retail space, I'm talking about anything that's available in big box stores, online, Amazon, eBay, whatever it is, a lot of these companies, what they are is they're owned by corporate shareholders. They're owned by people who are executives who want to make money because that's why their shareholders are invested in those companies. So their goal is to ultimately, like I said, make money. They're not really invested in patient outcomes. They're not invested in clinical outcomes. So what they're doing is they're doing those two things I talked about before, where they're lowering the cost of the raw material by getting something that's inferior, right? Or they're lowering how much is actually in that product. So now it's an inferior raw material, inferior product, not having as much as they should, right? So subtherapeutic dosing, it's not doing as much as it should for your patients. So if you look at it from a patient's perspective, and it's kind of hard to see Because if you look at it, it's all marketing, right? These labels are very flashy, fancy. You know, they've got these big signs, buy one, get one free, whatever it is, right? It's very hard to sift through that. And I totally understand that. So my advice, and I'll kind of dig into more specifics, but my advice would be- Yeah,
1: please do. Yeah. yeah. This is good. Just keep (laughs) going. Yeah,
0: Yeah. my advice would be to kind of seek out an integrated or functional provider in your area, or if you can work with Dr. Gray, right? Because, you know, that's ultimately where you're going to see practitioners who have spent the time to seek out high quality companies like ourselves, um, or have specific training who are actually trained on these supplements or trained on these nutrients to actually run a panel, right? So talking about micronutrient deficiencies or run further blood work to actually evaluate what your specific micronutrient needs are. It's very confusing, right? We go online. If you type in CoQ10 in the Amazon, there's a hundred different products that will show up and not all those products are created equal. Not all supplements are created equal, right? Yeah. Which you talked about with Tom. So I can get more specific with it, but that's kind of my big advice is just seek out someone, you know, in your area who's very well-versed in it. And there are practitioners.
1: I totally agree. Good answer. Uh, let's go back to kind of the two ways you were saying other, you know, brands can lower their costs. So one is to essentially not put the therapeutic dose of that raw material or whatever ingredient in the product. And that's something that we certainly pride ourselves on is making sure that everything that's on the shelf know, that we're selling to patients is of therapeutic potency. So can you talk a little bit about, I know their ortho molecular has kind of three major points with their products that they definitely, they source high quality ingredients. Let's go there and let's talk about the therapeutic potency. And then there's a third point too. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so one of those points is the therapeutic dosing, you know? So if you look at ortho, what we call ourselves, which is absolutely nail on the head, is we are an evidence-based natural solutions company. And what I mean by that is that every formulation that we come out with for every raw material that we use, every specific reason that we have 60 milligrams, 100 milligrams, 200 milligrams of something in a product is because there's a study that's associated with that raw material for improving patient outcomes. I call that window dressing. We call that window dressing when a company will have kind of the main components, but maybe they're just putting her like icing on a cake, right. Or sprinkles or whatever you want to think about. I know we're not eating a ton of that stuff back great, but <laughs> you know, if we're just putting sprinkles on a cake, it doesn't really add a lot of nutritional value, but it makes that cake look really pretty. Right. So a lot of companies will just put a little dash, a little sprinkle, you know, one milligram of something to say, Hey, we have it in here. Right. But the cool thing about a lot of professional companies, especially orthomolecular products, I can speak on this very honestly, because I worked with them, is every product that we come out with, there's a specific reason why that amount is in there. Is there some sort of study? There's some sort of human clinical trial, or we seek out specific patented raw materials that have human clinical trials on them specifically that shows, hey, if you take 600 milligrams of this for X number of days or X number of months, this is the outcome that we expect to see. So that's kind of the big difference is putting things in there just to put them in there, or is it in there with a purpose? Is it in there for a reason?
1: I want to expand on that for a second because not only do you do that, but you also try to, I believe, source your ingredients from... Whatever we want to call it, areas of the world where those studies have been done. Like for instance, I've mentioned this before, I think, on the show, with citrus bergamot, that we know there has been there. There is a lot of evidence showing right the the benefit of bergamot. However, orthomolecular sources their bergamot from Italy, from where that research was conducted. Because let's face it, you know, someone in California can grow bergamot and then try to also sell that supplement, but that doesn't mean that those outcomes are going to translate into you know where the original research was done i don't know how to explain that easily but i think my point came across there
0: (laughs) no you did you explained it perfectly because that's literally exactly what happens right so it actually goes back to the first question you asked me which was about different parts of the world different soil nutritional deficiencies absolutely right because if we grow talking about citrus bergamot which we know has specific bioactive polyphenolic fractions that actually help mediate our cholesterol pathways right if we grow that plant in california Versus if we actually grow it in Calabria, Italy, where the studies are done, where the initial studies by Dr. Vincenzo Malachi were done, talking about, again, different raw materials that are either patented or have research, which is what we're doing here. (laughs) This is a perfect example. Um, If we grow it in Southern California versus if we grow it in Italy, those are A, two completely different soil compositions, right? They're two completely different parts of the world. Maybe they're farmed completely differently, Right the sun is different. The angle of the sun, the way that it, the sun is obviously the same, right? But the angle of the sun <laughs> and how much sun they're getting and where they're getting the sun from is different. And it actually matters when it comes down to growing that plant, right? The amount of time that they're able to spend outside, you know, the different, basically the environment that's in the humidity, everything, you can try to match it by going to different places, but that's not what ortho does, right? Company like our own in the professional channel, we go where the research was done. The research was done in Italy by Italian doctors on that specific plant in that specific region of the world. So could we grow it in California? Yeah. And there are companies who do that, right? But ortho is not going to source it from a company that's doing that where the research wasn't done. We're going to use the specific companies that are actually there working with those doctors to come out with those studies. So that's kind of a actually a perfect example, I'm glad you brought that one up, of exactly what I'm talking about. is actually growing it where it's supposed to be grown, using studies, and actually talking about getting high quality raw materials, because that's ultimately what it is.
1: Let's stay on raw materials, because that the, the sourcing is also something that Sorry for the listeners. I am losing my voice here. i <laughs> a bit of a cold. Um, so I'll be taking some immune support, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But, there we go. <laughs> but well, let's go back to sourcing. Can you give us some other examples of where ortho seeks out literally around the world, you know, the best location to source individual ingredients because i know you guys search far and wide and you know if something is unavailable you're not going to be able to manufacture that supplement because you're not going to compromise the quality of the product um, to get inferior sourcing which may be even cheaper right which uh, that's what a lot of companies do they get the cheapest ingredients so spend some time talking about how ortho sources the ingredients
0: so we first off we kind of have a china last policy As kind of our policy as it relates to sourcing raw materials, because a lot of a lot of raw materials that are coming out of that part of the world, either a adulterated, they're very inferior, they've either been synthesized, you know, with adulterants or things that get added to them, um, that maybe we don't want patients taking right? There's certain extraction processes for different raw materials. I know you talked about this with Tom, and also I recommend any listener who wants to dig even more, you know, it specifically go listen to Tom Hull's episodes from the very beginning. He did a fantastic job. I could not do it any better than he did, (laughs) but you know, there's a lot of raw materials that are extracted in ways that we necessarily don't want them to, right? Either using benzene um, as a way to actually perform that extraction process, which we don't want patients taking, or they're just from parts of the world where they're grown in environments where there's high pollutants. So I talk about environmental toxins that, could end up in that raw material, especially as we talk about growing things like herbs and botanicals that are sitting there in their environment, doing their thing, they're going to absorb these things that are coming out of factories and pollutants and part of runoff or whatever it may be, right? So Ortho chooses to source a lot of raw materials actually out of Europe. There's a lot of really high quality raw material companies. We just talked about one, right? That's coming out of Italy, right? There's a lot of high quality raw material companies that are coming out of Europe or locally in the US that do a really, really, really fantastic job delivering a high quality raw material. Right, So as it relates to price, obviously that's something consumers need to be concerned about. You kind of pay for what you get when it comes to the dietary summit world, right. And are there companies charging more than they should for their products? Absolutely. So this is another one where it's kind of hard to sift through the weeds. But if you look at a higher quality company, they're going to charge a little bit more. So I would also say this is a good time to plug. If you see those buy one get one freeze, or you go, like you said, the Sam's Club, Walmart, and they've got 200 capsules of fish oil for you know eight dollars, that's something I would question right? Because why are they able to sell that for so little?
1: Yep. Totally agreed. I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but can you, for the listeners, just to give them an example of again, far and wide where ortho gets ingredients from, if I remember right, like your alpha lipoic acid comes from Germany. Is that correct? Yep. Where Germany,
0: Spain, uh, obviously the United States, Um, Our fish oil actually comes off the coast of uh, Chile, which is the least industrialized coast in the entire world. We partner with a company down there that actually, they own the boats, they pay the fishermen, they own the entire process right there. So we don't need to ship it around, which actually leads to a really high quality product, which is awesome. We go places and we seek out the companies that make, and this is no exaggeration, the highest quality raw material that we can possibly put in a product. Because again, we work exclusively with licensed healthcare providers. So there are doctors, our practitioners, our pharmacists who have an expectation for their product when they give it to patients. And we know that. We know that every single day, right? So it comes down to our processes, our systems. Actually, what we're doing, is, you know, as it relates to our facility and how we're manufacturing, how we're testing, all of that comes together to make a high quality product, mcp
1: isn't your current facility what was it like fifty million dollars or something? Or what, what? I mean, it's just huge. Is it like the largest it's brag? Uh, talk about. <laughs> sure,
0: sure. Yeah. So we now have a two hundred thousand square foot facility, which is absolutely massive. I've been on a couple tours up there, and it's it's incredible. It's state of the art. Kind of sounds like a, a very flashy term, right? But there's automatic doors, there's people walking around, there's very high quality stuff. I'd love to talk about the lab if we could, because that's really where everything starts. So even though we are sourcing high quality raw materials, we're sourcing the highest you can possibly get. There's still an opportunity, even if a company is sending those raw materials to us, we have a list of approved vendors that we work with. But even if those companies are sending raw materials to us, there's an opportunity where either they made a mistake or something maybe is not quite what they thought it was. And they put it in a batch and they send it to us. We test absolutely anything and everything that comes through our facility. Every single raw material, every single product, every single anything that comes into our facility gets tested and it gets quarantined before we even begin to use it into a product right? So what I might what I mean by that is let's say we get a big batch of vitamin C, right? Vitamin C can come from a lot of different countries, can come from a lot of different places, right? And a lot of people can hide a lot of different things in vitamin C, right? So that vitamin C comes in, what we do is we take a big sample of it. So we test it all the way through the bag or the vat, uh, barrel or whatever it's coming in. And we send that right to our lab, right? And we have very smart people, fantastic people up in our lab. And what they do is they're performing everything from thin layer chromatography, mass spectrometry. So they're actually Pretty cool process for those who don't know they're shooting an electric Beam, or a laser beam essentially into that raw material and it bounces back. And we're able to read basically what those bands look like. I was a science major. I get very nerdy about these things. <laughs> but we're able to basically read what those bands look like when they come back, right? In each specific compound, if I put vitamin C in that tube or if I put vitamin D in that tube, they're going to have completely different outcomes, right? We're going to see a completely different band pattern. We know what they're supposed to look like. So we can compare them, right? And the cool thing is, and something I really appreciate about ortho is that if we get a raw material that doesn't meet our standards for whatever reason, falls outside of spec, we incinerate it because there's an opportunity if that company made a mistake with us, right? I'm not saying it's you know insidious or intentional, but sometimes it may be, right? We have no idea. So if that company accidentally sends us something they're not supposed to, we incinerate that raw material. We have a company that comes, picks up stuff and actually destroys it because we know if there's an opportunity for them to send that to us, they may also send it to another
1: Yeah. 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 So that's
0: just another way that we help protect the channel because we're very passionate about this. I don't know if you can tell, (laughs) but we're very passionate about this and we want to make sure that if we're doing everything we can, that we're also helping everybody else, right? We like the term uh, raising tide, raise all ships, right? So if the tide's going up, everyone else is going up, if we can help... Do our part, we're actually doing that as well. So, we also expiration dates. That's another big thing that people can look for in a dietary summit. We have expiration dates in all of our products. And the way that we do that, and it's a very regulated process, but the way that we do that is once we manufacture a lot or manufacture basically a giant batch of bottles, we have to take those bottles and store them separately. And what we do is every three months, we pull a random sample out of that bottle. And we do the exact same process all over again. So, we take those raw materials, send them through the lab. We either send them, uh, if it's a live organism like a probiotic, we actually PCR cycle to actually test to make sure that those strains are what we say they are, because we can't put anything in that bottle that isn't what it is, right? Or we're performing those same processes we did when we originally got the sample. Why are we doing that? It's because we want to guarantee that what we have on the label in the amount that we say is there is actually what's there. Because again, we work exclusively at licensed healthcare providers. We want to make sure that you guys are getting products that you can trust with your patients, which is awesome. I get very excited about
1: this. I get asked all the time, what's one product that I just can't live without when it comes to maintaining my own health and longevity? And my answer is something you've actually heard me mention on several episodes. It's called mitochondria complex, and it's pretty much the Cadillac of multivitamins. And it's packed with antioxidants, including three key players, acetyl L-carnitine, alpha lipoic acid, and N-acetylcysteine. Think of a steam engine that requires coal to be continually shoveled into the furnace to power the train forward. Acetyl L-carnitine does that for your body by shoveling short-chain fatty acids into your cells to provide your body with energy. This is an absolutely essential task to keeping you running. However, what's a byproduct of fire? You guessed it, smoke. Unfortunately, in this analogy, smoke from fire equals free radicals. To combat those free radicals, other antioxidants are needed, and that's where alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine come in. Together, they scavenge free radicals and help boost and recharge glutathione, the most potent antioxidant in the body. To top it off, Mitochondrial Complex also contains a little bit of green tea extract, broccoli seed extract with sulforaphane, and even resveratrol. Research has shown that when athletes and individuals that are under stress begin taking this product, they are less likely to get sick as they're giving their body what it needs to conquer those stressors. Who doesn't need protection from stress and cellular damage at this time? I certainly do. I take this product every day. If you're interested in learning more about how mitochondrial complex can help support you living a longer, healthier life, check out my blog post on why antioxidants are important found at your longevity blueprint.com forward slash why dash antioxidants dash are dash important or in chapter four of my book, your longevity blueprint to get 10% off our mitochondrial complex, just use code energy when checking out at your longevity blueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. I talked a little bit about this on the episode with Tom Hool, and that your, for instance, your probiotics potencies. Right, are guaranteed at the date of not manufacturing, but of expiration, right? Because you may purchase a probiotic over the counter that says 50 billion, you know, colony forming units. <laughs> well, that may have had 50 billion colony forming units two months ago. But by the time you're putting it in your mouth, it may have zero colony forming units. <laughs> so that's another from a marketing standpoint, right? Good marketing, how they label the bottle, but there's really no guarantee what it's going to be when it gets to your home. So if I remember, right, you guys, Date based on, so like for example, with probiotics, that expiration date that you maybe you can explain this better, but the potency is still guaranteed at the date of expiration.
0: Yeah. So companies who manufacture probiotics get a lot of options when as it relates to the language that they can actually put on that bottle. Right. So what we choose to use is we choose to use an expiration date. And a lot of consumers listening to the, a lot of patients listening to this podcast are probably like, doesn't everyone use an expiration date? Shouldn't you use an expiration date? The answer is no right? And the reason is, is because they don't have to, right? It's another opportunity for those companies, like I said earlier, who are more concerned about profits than patients, And they're actually going to actually make a product that necessarily doesn't really do a whole lot for that patient. So if you think about it, those probiotics, they're living organisms. They're alive like you and I are. Right. So they die. They replicate. They die. They use nutrients. They exist. And over time, if I take that probiotic and I just leave it over time, they're going to die. It is going to happen. Right. So as it relates to manufacturing a product, a lot of companies can just put on the label Yeah, we put 20 billion CFUs colony forming units or probiotics at time of manufacture. What does that really mean? Right. It means that when we made that product, we put 20 billion CFUs in there. That's it. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that they add anything to it that's actually gonna help protect them. It doesn't mean that they're doing a specific packaging that helps keep them stable. They're not doing anything right? So as it relates to that product, you can imagine, and I've seen data that actually suggests this, and we can talk about that in more detail on a different day, <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah. that data suggests that, you know, over time, these actually die really quickly. You know, if you look at refrigerated probiotics, that's kind of what we call old school technology, right? Those companies are asking you to slow down that degradation process as much as possible by literally cooling the probiotics off, right? So, there is no regulation on those probiotics after they've been manufactured. They don't have to, right, which is obviously something that you know I think needs to get changed, but it's something that Ortho's aware of. so we choose to use again, the expiration date because we want to say, hey, we've got 20 billion CFUs of a probiotic in that capsule, that's how much your patient is going to get if they take that product before the expiration date. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee Guaranteed. that if they take yep. that, they're going to get at least that much.
1: And how can we guarantee that? And that what are the things that you're saying other companies may not be doing? Like, what are you doing to preserve your, those organisms? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like I said, they're living organisms. They're going to replicate, they're going to die. They're going to do everything that, you know, we would expect those little cellular organisms to do. So what we do, we do a couple different things. So every company makes probiotics has to freeze dry, right? Because that basically kind of. Knocks them out if you want to think about it that way, because um, otherwise they're going to be replicating replicating very quickly. Right? They're going to be doing their thing very quickly. That's just how they exist, right? So what we do is we freeze dry them to kind of say, "Hey, go to sleep for a little bit," right? And then what we do is we spray them with this salt polysaccharide layer that basically acts as a coating, right? And acts as a basically like an M M&M and M coating on an M M&M and M shell. If you want to think about it that way, right? I know. Patients aren't eating a lot of m It's okay, I do, but it's okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, if you think about it, when you open up that bag, you don't have a big puddle of mushy chocolate, right? You have individually, basically little beads of chocolate that are protected by this coating. It's the same concept with our probiotics, right? Is that they're sprayed with this layer. So when they get freeze-dried, it protects their cellular membranes. It protects what they're doing. So that's one way that we do it. In addition to that, we also manufacture with a slight overage. So we know that even though we're doing that, we put a little bit extra in there, right? We don't bring that cost to the patient. That's something that we know that we have to do to make sure that that product is actually viable and is going to be something that's going to last, which leads to an ability where these products can actually be shelf-stable. So now we're not requiring refrigeration, which is awesome, because if we think about it from a you know, patient's perspective, You know, we think about you guys, is that when you guys have all of your supplements and you have maybe any particular medication that you're taking or whatever it may be, if you're putting it in your pill counter, which is something I do, no shame in that, right? It's a way to organize, is that you can put those products in that pill counter, you can keep it with all of your other products or keep it with your medication, because I know what happens, right? You take that refrigerator probiotic, you put it up your shelf, you go out and you get your almond milk and your eggs and you bring them home and you put them up there, right? Where does it end up? It's back to the shelf, right? So what we're doing is we're just adding little bits and pieces and we can do this for every product, or we're adding little bits and pieces that makes it a little bit easier for the patient to take. Again, more therapeutic. That's just one example with our probiotics that demonstrates that we could go over pretty much every product and give a reason for that, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you. I want to go back to the lab though. So I love that you're basically saying to the listeners, we test every single ingredient to make sure that it is what it says it is, right? But I know there's another piece of that because you're also looking to see if there are any contaminants, correct? So, what are other things you're looking for that you don't want to be in the product?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, even some of those botanicals and some of those raw materials, we take little auger plates, which are these little gel plates, and we actually spread that on there and we actually see what grows. Right. So we want to see if there's any potential, like see things get recalled for salmonella or some of these other potential they're pathogens. They're not good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Or we're actually seeing if there's anything that's specifically added to it. Right. So maybe talk about vitamin C again that isn't vitamin C that ended up in that vitamin C sample. That's not something we want. Right. Because if we say that there's 600 milligrams of vitamin C in a particular product, well, then we have to guarantee that that 600 milligrams you're putting in there is the vitamin C. And if it's not vitamin C, Again, that's an opportunity for us to say, hey, we need to incinerate this and then go back to our vendor and say, hey, what are you guys doing? What's going on here?
1: Sure. What about heavy metals, chemicals? Yeah, absolutely. Looking for yeah. all that?
0: Okay. All of those heavy metals, chemicals, pesticides, anything that we would be concerned with that we don't want patients taking concentrated, obviously, <laughs> in a product every single day. That's something we're obviously looking for as well.
1: Awesome. Just taking a few notes here. I want to go back to fish oil. Sure. I do want to get to like how supplements are regulated and whatnot, but I I... I want to go back to fish oil for a minute, because you mentioned you're sourcing this off the coast of Chile. And I, I know in a, in a quick, you know, short ad or commercial that I do run on the podcast, I talk about the sea to shelf life. But for listeners who don't know, or sea to shelf time, I should say, <laughs> of many fish oil products, but for listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, let's talk just a little bit, stay on the topic of fish oil and where you're sourcing it and how fresh it is and kind of brag about that, because that's, I think that's really important.
0: I could brag about that. <laughs> so the uh, so the fish oil industry, if you guys want to know how that is basically done, is every single fish oil, it doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter if it's us or the Costco brand or you name it, what happens is, is people obviously catch fish, right? So they're catching fish, they go out there and then the first process, the literal first thing that they do is they physically squeeze those fish and when we physically squeeze those fish. What we're trying to do is extract the oil, right? We're trying to get that oil out of the fish, but you can imagine when we actually squeeze those fish, we get a lot more than just the oil. Right. And I'm not talking about guts and eyeballs and all that gross stuff that we don't want in our product either. We end up with whatever toxic material, microplastic, heavy metal, you name it, mercury the big one. Yeah. We end up yeah. with whatever that fish consumed over the course of its lifetime, right? So every single company does this. We press them out, take out the oil. And then what we need to do in order to actually extract and purify that is we actually perform a process called molecular distillation. And molecular distillation is basically a very fancy way I'm saying we're going to take that, we're going to purify that compound to remove all the heavy metals, all the uh, toxic components, microplastics, whatever it is, to leave us with a fish oil, right? to leave us with an actual oil that we can put in a capsule. Problem with this process is in order to do that first step, what we have to do is... what they are is triglycerides. That oil is actually a triglyceride is so we actually have to remove that glycerol backbone and reattach an alcohol at the backbone onto that prox. So now it becomes what's called an ester. And for the patients, this is an alcohol-based backbone fish oil. This is what you will find well over 90% of the time. If you go buy that big bottle from Costco and it's $8, right? And it's very inexpensive and it's got 200 capsules in there and you're probably really excited, right? You open it up. What's it smell like? It smells like fish. Right, or if we actually, totally. if we take that product, we start burping up fish. Right, the reason mm-hmm. is, is that fat, it's fat, right? So it's going to oxidize really quickly, especially in the presence of alcohol. Right, so the alcohol-based backbone is going to make that oil go rancid a little bit quicker. That's what those fish burps are. When patients take fish oil, and I'm sure there's someone who's like, "Oh my gosh, what am I doing?" <laughs> um, listening to this right now, that fish oil actually becomes rancid and it goes bad quickly. And then when you burp it, that's what you're tasting, which is gross. <laughs> Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. So what ortho does, and this is another opportunity. Again, we eat this cost. We don't, you know, deliver this to the patients. You notice our actually fish oil is is relatively cost efficient compared to that is that we actually perform a second molecular distillation because we're not going to leave that raw material in the ethyl form, right? The ethyl ester form. And this comes down to the science behind it, right? So we talk about reasons why we do things. There's a study, there's a reason, there's some sort of scientific article or thought process that goes behind everything, right? We know that the ethyl ester is not as incorporated as well into the cell membranes, which is actually where the rubber meets the road. That's where fish oil is actually able to interrupt inflammatory pathways. We're actually able to reduce inflammation at the cellular level, right? So what we do is we perform that second round of molecular distillation, where we actually take off our alcohol backbone again, and we reattach glycerol backbone back on. So now we have what's called a reesterified triglyceride. It's reesterified triglyceride, which is the same form that's coming out of the fish, right? So that's the form that you would get if you're actually consuming the fish. And we know that this is incorporated, and there's numbers I could throw, but this is incorporated significantly better into the cell membranes, right? This is going to be significantly better for the patient. So if you think about again, cost of raw materials, cost of what patients are actually getting most expensive Mm -hmm. dietary supplement is the one that doesn't work right or the one that Mm -hmm. patients won't take right Mm -hmm. so the one that patients are actually going to get more benefit from by taking less in my opinion that's more valuable than the one patients have to take more of to get less outcomes
1: you've probably heard a lot about fish oil it's one of the most common supplements available after all but have you wondered if you should be taking it and why you might want to think about it the simple answer is yes If you don't have access to fresh fish several times per week, you can likely benefit from supplementation and may even need to. I test many of my patients' fatty acid levels and have found that the overwhelming majority of my patients are low in omega-3s. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential cornerstones of human nutrition. They are deemed essential because we need them for proper health, much like certain vitamins and minerals, but unfortunately we can't produce them on our own. As a result, our only option is to consume these fats either through our diet or through supplementation. Omega-3 fatty acids are known to benefit cardiovascular health, support healthy brain function and cognition, and have been proven to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. For all these reasons, achieving the proper balance of omega-3s is an important health strategy, one for which most people require supplementation. Simplified, fish oil can help improve your cholesterol, glucose, help your memory, reduce pain, even headaches and menstrual cramps. I typically start my patients with 1 to 2 grams or 1000 to 2000 milligrams per day of combined eicosapentaenoic acid which is EPA and docosahexaenoic acid which is DHA daily. Our Your Longevity Blueprint Omegas are stabilized in vitamin E oil and rosemary extract is used to ensure maximum purity and freshness. This exclusive fish oil is purified, vacuum distilled and independently tested to ensure heavy metals, pesticides and polychlorinated biphenyls PCBs are removed to undetectable levels. Plus Our fish oil has the shortest sea-to-shelf time, meaning from fish to bottle or capsule, of only three to six months, as compared to the industry average of 18 to 36 months. Seriously, that means most of the fish oil you buy over-the-counter is old, oxidized, rancid, and not helpful. That fish oil purchased over-the-counter could be three years old already before you ingest it. Yuck. With over 10,000 published studies in the last three decades, EPA and DHA from fish oil are among the most researched natural ingredients available and have a long history of safety and efficacy. Check out more product information on our website, your longevity and use code omega threes for 10% off. Now let's get back to the show.
0: So as it relates circling back to our product and how it actually relates to the quality is that we partner with a company off the coast of Chile that pays for the boats They own the molecular distillation plant. They own the encapsulation plant. They own everything. The entire process exists off the coast of Chile, right? So they pay the fishermen, they go out, they catch the fish, they bring them back, and immediately they start to perform molecular distillation, excuse me. So what they do (laughs) is they actually perform that distillation there. They perform that second round of distillation there, and then they encapsulate it and send it right back to us. That entire process happens relatively quickly, right? So we think about the retail space, a company that is looking specifically to lower the cost of their goods, they're going to send that fish oil wherever it's least expensive to perform that process, wherever it's the most cost-effective solution for that company is where they're going to take that product. Right. So if they're catching the fish, or they may not be catching fish, but they just buy the fish, whatever kind of cheap fish is available, right, in mass bulk, and they actually send it out, perform that molecular distillation, say, hey, we're good with the ethyl ester. That's fish oil. We don't need to worry about it. Right. And then we send that off to a company that's going to do the encapsulation. They may be in different parts of the country or different parts of the world, excuse me. Right. So they have to send this product out. And the way that they do that, was actually freeze that fish. So that fish is on ice for a very, very long time, right? A little too long. So the industry average for catch-to-capsule time for any fish oil, and this may gross out some of the listeners, uh, is about 18 to 36 months. So this-
1: Which is nuts. When I first heard that, I was like, what? Like, that's
0: nuts. So I like to fish. I like to go out and actually eat my own fish, which is great, right? If I had a fish in my freezer that was a year and a half to you know 36 months old,
1: I would not eat I'm it. I'm not <laughs> eating that, right?
0: <laughs> so compare that to ours, our, our, our average catch-to-capsule time partnering with this company is about three to six months, right? So which is amazing, that,
1: which is the best in the industry period. You're just not, you're not going to find yeah. better, period. Yep.
0: Night and day difference, right? Which obviously leads to higher quality product. And if patients try fish oil, which I recommend you to do, right? Your longevity blueprint's Fishwell. What we're actually going to see is that we're not going to be burping up that fish oil like we would if you're just taking something from three test space. You're not going to taste that product.
1: So not only is it fresh, what you said before is you guys are essentially uh, taking on the cost of, re we, it's called re-esterifying <laughs> <laughs> the, the fish oil the with the triglyceride beard. form, which is the form you would get if you were eating salmon, if you were eating fish, right? Which yeah. is easier for your body to absorb. Absolutely. So you're getting an easier version that's fresher, right? That's still distilled of any potential contaminants. And I believe, um, this fish all we're talking about is sourced from sardines and anchovies too. Is that correct?
0: Smallest possible fish we can. This goes back to a biological concept called bioaccumulation, where if, and this is super oversimplified, but if that anchovy eats one toxic particle, that anchovy has one toxic particle in it, right? But if a salmon comes along and eats 100 anchovies, well, that salmon now has 100 toxic particles inside of it, right? It's a lot easier to process these smaller fish because they're less likely to consume other fish that have high concentrations of toxic material inside of them. Absolutely.
1: So just in general for the listeners, you want to avoid fish oil that comes from larger fish. So if it says salmon oil or tuna oil or whatnot, eh, bad, Just you can just get rid of that right there. Yeah. So let's, this is excellent. Let's go back to how supplements are regulated. You've touched a little bit on this, but obviously you guys have an amazing facility and you, yep. you highly regulate <laughs> your <Big> products, <laughs> but tell us in general how supplements are regulated. Cause I do think a lot of consumers just assume, well, if I do go to, I keep saying Walmart, but any big box store, the product's going to be safe. And if it says it has, you know, a thousand milligrams of vitamin C, it's going to have vitamin C and you know, that must be the dose that I need. I think they assume that, and that's not the case. So expand on how you, what your answer would be to how supplements are regulated.
0: I wish that was the case. I wish the patients could go into any store and there's a high quality product available and this is available to the masses. And this is something that's just everywhere. And there's a really good understanding of what's in products and what patients can take, because that would lead to a lot healthier country in my opinion. But the problem is, is as we get a big influx Right, we're talking about post COVID nineteen and patients more concerned about you know their health and wellness than they ever have been. We get in big influx, and this is a problem even before. But you get a big influx of these companies that just start popping up to make products because they want shelf space. That's what they want, right? They want their product on the shelf that you can go and purchase. They make a dollar every time you do that, right? So what we see is that we see that these products, and I think that's a big misconception. You addressed this one with Tom, which was awesome. That's a big misconception that dietary supplements aren't regulated. They're highly, highly, highly regulated, right? The Food and Drug Administration, the FDA comes through our facility every now and then. You know, it's not a a consistent number, but every now and then, and they will actually ask for, and we have to record. So I'm going to rewind a little bit, but every time that we get a batch in and we weigh it out, And we open it and we do something. We have to have an individual who physically does that. And then we have to have a second person who stands there and actually records and verifies that that's the amount that's coming in or coming out of that specific raw material. And the FDA comes and they regulate that. They actually ask for all of our papers and they look for irregularities, right? So our facility receives very, very, very high scores. (laughs) The FDA, I like to say, likes us because we do a pretty good job right? And the FDA is actively, and it's kind of an uphill battle because there's more companies being created, in my opinion, than the FDA has the ability to actually go out and shut down. They pop up, they start making products. And I'm not even saying these are big facilities like ours, they're small operations, right? So they pop up, make products, maybe they're making claims that aren't true, that they can't make, that are illegal, or they're making products that are maybe adulterated or unsafe for the consumer. The FDA has to go out, actively see them before they can shut them down, right? So we talk about products that are available in the retail space. Sometimes that market is going a little bit faster than the FDA can, but it's a big misconception to think that we're not regulated or that we're not regulated like pharmaceuticals, because in most cases we are regulated just like pharmaceuticals. We're making products for patients, right? And the FDA is aware of that. So they want to see everything. They want to know from start to finish how we're doing something, what we're putting in a product, and that we verify that that is correct. And that we're testing and actually doing all the things that we're supposed to, which we do, which is fun to say.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So how do some companies, so do some companies get by with contaminated products just because like you're saying, is your answer to that? The FDA can't quite keep up with some of these smaller shops. Is that?
0: Yeah. People just keep popping up and it's an unfortunate time right now. I mean, it's a great time for dietary supplements that people are actually carrying and doing things. Right. But just like with everything, there's bad people out there who aren't really concerned about the patients. What they're concerned about is profits right? So they just want to make a product to get it on the shelf. And that's really all that they care about, right? Especially online as online sales, boom, as we see more patients trying to seek this stuff out online and get answers online, you see a lot of stuff that's just flashy marketing, right? You know, it's, it's kind of an uphill battle, but the FDA does highly, highly, highly regulate it, And they do shut down people who aren't doing things that they're supposed to. They've got a checklist that they walk through. And if you're not following procedures, you're not allowed to make dietary supplements, period.
1: Sure. But that doesn't mean that the ingredients from all these other companies are sourced appropriately or in therapeutic potencies for certain clinical conditions. So I just want to make that disclaimer. I have learned so much from Orthomolecular throughout the years. They are truly a company that educates clinicians like myself so that we can help individuals like you. As Thomas mentioned, they don't sacrifice quality at all. I know that their products are thoroughly tested, sourced from around the world, and provided at therapeutic potency so that they work. I can't tell you how proud of Your Longevity Blueprint products I am. They are manufactured by orthomolecular products, so everything you heard learned today applies to what we sell. I do believe we sell the best supplements in the industry. Learn more at yourlongevityblueprint.com and use code BEST for 10% off anything. Stay tuned for more from Thomas. Next week in part two, we're going to dive specifically into what nutrients best support energy, adrenal health, and immune health. See you then. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting.